Hello and welcome to Setting the Skein. I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And I'm Mystery Michael and I'm back. <laughs> Yay, it's Mystery Month movie mystery with Mystery Mike the Mystery Man. Because now we're chopping through March. From outer space, I just came on the Zoom call and found that look upon his face. I should have changed the passcode lock. I should have thrown away the key. Had I known for just one second, he'd be back to mystery me. So go on now, go. What are we watching? Man, I had it. I had until that last verse. Oh, you held on for so long. You're doing so good. I think I just made my mom very proud. Shout out to Heidi Gooden, who's definitely not listening to this episode. (laughs) But I feel like I just made her proud. All right. Well, yes. Uh, if this is your first time listening in a few weeks, we are in the middle of in this bleh, words. We're in the we're middle in the of this middle. thing called Mystery Month. Um, I think that's what we're calling it. Uh, but each week we are watching a movie, and none of us actually know what the movie is, except for Mystery Mike. It's um, me. Yes, uh, our uh, good pal Michael Ruiz uh, received movie selections from each of the five of us. Uh, himself included and put them in a random order and we are going to be reacting live to whatever the movie is um so in our first couple of weeks uh, mine and mike's movies have both already been watched so if you haven't listened to those episodes be sure to go back and listen to them they're both great episodes both interesting movies um i don't know that i can call them both great movies but i will call them both interesting movies uh, but yes <laughs> mystery mike whose week is it isn't that the question? We're halfway. Welcome to Hump Day here at here at Mystery mm-hmm. Month. Uh, this is when we start going down to the other edge. It seems we've just started this venture, and yet we're already almost home. So I'll, I will I will um, leave you in torment no longer. I will say that uh, throughout this week, Tristan has been looking at me like, "Oh, it's my it's my week." But Tristan, I'm happy to say you're completely wrong. It's Elijah's week. <laughs> <laughs> you don't mysteried. You got mystery, boy. And Eliza has picked a lovely, wholesome movie. I have been looking forward to this one. It's just going to be a good time. Eliza has picked the the 2011 version of Walt Disney's Winnie the Pooh. Okay. <laughs> okay. It's be a pleasant time. I was talking to somebody about Winnie the Pooh like two weeks ago. Oh, this is going to be sweet, y'all. This is going to be so wholesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm so I remember uh, this. I remember Doug trying to predict what everybody's movie would be or what vibe it would be. And then he was like, I'm not sure what Elijah is going to pick. How many guesses, Doug, would it have taken you to get to Winnie the Pooh? I don't know, Elijah. I, I think I've said this on the podcast before. Like, I love, I, I love, I love just listening to you talk about movies because I never know what angle you're going to go come at them from. Like, <laughs> Never in, never in a million years would I have thought you would have done like Wayne the Pooh, um, but you did, and I'm excited. Uh, yeah, me too. So, yeah. Elijah, uh, how, how'd you get here? How, why this? Why this movie? The 2011 Winnie the Pooh is honestly one of the most effective comedies I can think of. Okay. Well, yeah. uh, I'm excited. I haven't seen it. Who else has seen I've this? Never has anyone seen, seen it? I assume Elijah has. I highly doubt that I've seen it. I think I've seen clips from it. I uh, I worked with I worked with a uh, with someone a couple summers ago who was obsessed with Wayne the Pooh. Shout out to Danny Rudy uh, again, guaranteed she hasn't listened to this <laughs> podcast. But um, no, she uh, she speaks very highly of Wayne the Pooh. Also, real quick, I just want to throw this one out there. Uh, there was an off Broadway production of a Wayne the Pooh musical um, in New York that ran from like the end of December through the middle of February and it's going to do another run for all of June and when I tell you that is the most adorable thing I've ever seen and I would I would literally sell a kidney to go to New York right now and see it although I mean it wouldn't really do me any good right now because it's all we hear of Vider Media do not uh, condone the sale of uh, bodily organs Um, well I mean it is voluntary Nothing's more wholesome than Winnie the Pooh, except maybe donating a kidney. That's a, well, that's, he, he did not say there. donate. Not he, he did not say donate. Yeah, he he did said, say sell. He said sell, which oh, okay. is not wholesome. Less, less wholesome. Not wholesome. Nope. Uh, guys, this <laughs> Disqualified. Movie's, this movie's an hour long. Oh, I was boy. about to say, Elijah, God bless you for this movie only being an hour long. 
All right. Yeah, I. Ooh, it's the shortest one. I'm I'm looking forward to a lovely romp in the Hundred Acre Woods. All right. Well, let's go watch Me it. Um, everyone listening, we'll be back in just a minute. So sit tight. Well, we are back. We have watched 2011's Winnie the Pooh. Uh, before we really get into this, Doug, tell me about this movie. Oh, Bob. Well, okay. Yeah, no, I'm not doing that voice the whole time. Yeah, so this movie came out in 2011. Uh, was directed by Stephen John Anderson and, uh, and Don Hall. I almost said Doug Hall. And it stars Jim Cummings, Wyatt Dean Hall, Jack Bolter, Bud Lucky, Tom Kenny, Kristen... Kristen Anderson, I can't find her, Lopez, sorry, Kristen Anderson Lopez, and Travis Oates, and John Cleese, um, and this movie, ratings-wise, has a 7.2 out of 10 on the IMDb, a 90% on the Rottenest of Tomatoes, and 83% on the Google. Uh, budget-wise, this movie was made for a budget of... Was made for a budget of thirty million dollars, and it grossed forty nine million dollars. Um, and also, I didn't have it pulled up, but if I had to venture a guess, I would say that Common Sense Media would rate this five out of five. Incorrect. Four out of five. Four out of five. Yeah. Mm. Don't know why, but oh, that's, yeah, that's weird. Well, yeah. Um, uh, but under the. Um individual like categories that it has one of the things it has is uh sexy stuff is not present in this movie yeah i can i can confirm the fact that it is not present in this movie there's a lot of honey in this movie so there's a lot of honey in this movie elijah this was your pick what happens in this movie uh in a way basically nothing happens in this movie (laughs) um but you know it's a winnie the pooh story christopher robin's not around much just the just the products of his imagination having an adventure on their own um you know winnie the pooh wants to eat some honey the whole time but he doesn't get any it's just dangled in front of him the whole time like a treat he can't have they try to find eeyore's new tail and then they try to find christopher robin they try to find the Baxen, which is a monster that doesn't exist, but Owl convinces them it does because he can never admit when he doesn't know something. Uh, and, you know, they all live happily ever after. Seems a little disjointed, but I feel like it works. Yeah, oh, it works. Yeah. Most Winnie the Pooh specials, movies, the TV show, I mean, it was all just like, here's here they are walking around being a bit uh, just they just don't know there are so many things they don't know and it reflects on the, their entire environment and the way they perceive the world <clears throat> and yeah. it's almost always due to a misunderstanding as to why they are afraid or having troubles or unsure or whatever the case may be yeah this uh, time it's no different yeah i mean i think one of the real beautiful things about um about Wayne the Pooh as a property is that it's much less about like what our journey is going to be and more so focused on on how do we get there and just you know enjoying the ride enjoying the simple things and I think that this movie really does it very 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 well um yeah it has to be the the movie in recent years, I don't know if I've thought of a movie that has smaller stakes. This movie is just <laughs> yeah. like, I, I like, and not like there's, there's the small stakes in, in the literal sense that very little is happening. There is no like villain or antagonist in any way, shape, or form. The entire plot is based around a series of misunderstandings and, and humorous asides. And also in the sense that this movie is not trying to be anything other than like pure to its source material it's not like let's deconstruct winnie the pooh and build them up like it's some sort of like hard-boiled thriller from the cw or like what they do with um with batman and i I like the different things to do with batman but in in terms of winnie the pooh it's like you think about the different things you can do even like after this movie you had christopher robin which was like 
a bit of a deconstruction and now Christopher Robin's older and it's a childhood. This was like, we're going to have 53 minutes and, and we just watched it and I just saw it's 53 minutes to the end credits. We're going to have 53 minutes of good, wholesome times. Good, good, good fun for all. And, and I appreciate it for that. Yeah, this is completely unrelated, but kind of related to what you just said. I was reading through some of the reviews on Common Sense Media. One of the detractions that several people gave this movie was that there was too much consumerism in this movie. Where? <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of the tags that they have that you can put on your review. And I saw that and you were just talking about how it's not like a deconstruction. It's just like, it's wholesome. It's just pure. And then you've got all these people saying, no, there's too much consumerism in this. Um, I just, I, I mean, who has an infatuation with honey? I guess you can like psychoanalyze it from like a specific socio lens and make a comment about the the placated masses with, with mass produced products i don't know it's a <laughs> come on it's winnie the pooh the man eats honey he wants honey because he's got rumbly tummy let's take it down a notch <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah. that's true yeah I've so how many g-rated movies have we done on the podcast not many does anybody know I mean, I can check real quick. What can anyone name the last G-rated movie at the very least? I can't um, think of a G-rated movie we've done. I know uh, we have. Was Boss Baby G-rated? Nope. No. PG. Because no. you gotta get that parental guidance on that thing. I'd say the thing is, there's just not many G movies anymore. A lot of them well, are just kind well, of a default PG, unless it's something like this. Which really can okay? Can can we talk about that for just a second? Yes, yes, because, we can. I want to because. Sure. Y'all that do that while I'm trying dumbest, to find out the last movie that we did that was G. That is Sounds one of the good. dumbest uh, developments that has happened in terms of like American ratings for films. Um, and I think it's so absurd because originally you had your, your three ratings. You had G, you had PG, and you had R. And PG by far covered the largest gap. It covered everything from everything from a a Disney movie all the way over to a Indiana Jones movie. And and that was it. Well then Indiana Jones Temple of Doom came out with poking people's hearts out and with uh and Gremlins came out with killing people and stuff like that. And those were rated G and that or uh, PG and they said, okay, we might need to throw in another rating. So then we get PG-13. Okay, that's fine. That's fine. It's whatever. And over time, what we've seen happen is that PG, which stands for Parental Guidance Suggested, has instead come to mean, well, it's a kid's movie. It's a kid's movie. And G has become the, it's a movie for babies. It's a movie for infants. And I think that's the dumbest thing ever yeah, the, mm-hmm. the ratings have completely shifted to be completely arbitrary because there's actually not a code. There's not a standard. They aren't counting things. There are things that people talk about, like the PG-13 F-bomb, but that's not a thing. Like people are like, oh, you can only say the F word once and it's PG-13. And then if you say it again, it's R. There are multiple movies that are PG-13 with F-bombs. There's a movie that's PG with an F-bomb. It's called Spaceballs. It, it, there's, there's no logic behind it. Planet of the Apes, the original one, it's got some famous uh, choice words at the end of it. It's a G-rated movie. 2001 A Space Odyssey, it's a G-rated movie. It's, it's, it's a completely nonsensical rating system. Um, fun and- fact, side note, in, in relation to our last, uh, last week talking about E.T., the reason PG-13 is exclusively because of Steven Spielberg. He suggested it and they said, okay, <laughs> that's the only reason we actually added a little more delineation within the actual bounds of a completely stupid and arbitrary system. And, and the thing is, is that for the longest time, for the longest time, the rating system was born out of, honestly, people wanted to kind of, uh, wanted to sort of attempt well, the Hayes censoring. Code. Yeah, the Hayes Code came I, I literally wrote and a thesis on this. <laughs> I love, I love talking about the, the Hayes Code because it wasn't government regulator or anything like that. It was just a group of people who came together and said, we're mad enough that we're going to say this is what this is what constitutes as human decency 
in a movie. And if you break this, then we're not going to show your movie in public theaters. So you, you start off with a Hays Code, and then that leads into the Motion Picture Association of America, which gets your rating system, which mean basically nothing at this point. Because again, they're not like, it's not like a government entity or anything like that. It's purely based on like privatized uh, individuals who who just say, I don't like what your movie says, so I'm going to give it a worse rating. Exactly. Justin? Um, uh, I just want to let you know, I found the last G-rated movie we did. Would you like to know what it is? What is it? I, I would. Toy Story. That's actually correct. And that was uh, with some jerks. That's not right. Um, Ooh, yeah. We've actually done a right. few. Uh, the last official one uh, was in was Decomber. All three of them were all rated TVG. Uh, before that, the Lego Star Wars Holiday Special is also TVG. Okay, I'm still working enough. my way back. <laughs> and I feel like I would I would venture a guess that Hunchback 2 and Lion King 1 and a half. Oh, Hunchback 1. Hunchback, Hunchback 1 is G. G. Well, well, are you sure? I'm pretty sure it's G. I think it's PG. Look, I'm pretty I, sure I just, it's G. I just assumed that we didn't do any G movies in setting the season because why would we have and we have? yeah it's g and yeah, I, I started at some jerks and i just went back and yeah. actually if you're going back from 100 toy story is the first one yeah the the ratings make no sense uh, infamously the american rating system places an extremely high bar on any sexual themes showing anything other than like some light kissing usually gets you an immediate r um, they're very picky about extremely specific profanity. They don't care about the amount of profanity. They care about the words you use. There are certain words that have been deemed PG-13 words that you could say relentlessly for thousands of times and nobody cares. But if you have a movie that's clean, but someone says like the F word twice, yeah, you probably are. So it's, it's, there's no logic to it. Also, um, fun fact, the American rating system is incredibly lenient on violence. Most movies that become the equivalent of R in other countries are PG here, namely like The Dark Knight or the Taken movies. Those are all hard R's in most other countries, their equivalents. Yeah. Um, and, and also, I just want to bring this back to a, uh, to a movie that, we, that we've covered on this podcast before. Uh, famously, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles uh, a movie that had that would have had like a PG rating if not for the fact that it says 17 F bombs in under a minute. The King's Speech did the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, but Winnie the Pooh is squeaky clean. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's, I was going to say, it's <laughs> the humor in this is like, it's good for everyone, it's funny for kids and adults like you don't really see that done actually well like hardly ever where there's like it's not just cringy or bad for either audience you know like i, I think it i think it goes i think it does justice for both for both you know it's a tricky line to walk i think some tv shows get it pretty done pretty down bat but a lot of movies struggle because you're working with such stronger constraints in order to actually get that story across. Some like, like Pixar is a good example of, of, of groups that I think are way too far towards the adults. I think specifically Toy Stories three and four would have bored the daylights out of me at six years old, for instance. Like, like there are certain movies where it's like they go way too far that way. And then you have like what DreamWorks used to do, which is like fart sounds are funny. And then it's just all for, for a lower like like cheap laughs illuminations really guilty of stuff like that with the exception of sing which side complete side note inside many many rant i don't understand why everyone likes sing but apparently it's fun for the whole family it's it's wholesome it's great everyone loves it it looks like a soulless corporate machine to me every time i've glanced at any more than five minutes of it it's made me uh, really really dislike the concept of, of cinema as a whole but anyway that is in theory, a good example of fun for the whole family. I, I, it looks to me like someone served me a, a hot or a, a cool, refreshing cherry cola with some craft brand mac and cheese next to it. Consume the product, consume the product. That's how I feel when I look at Sing. But anyway, this has been a lot of, lot of uh, digressions on a review about Winnie the Pooh. <laughs> well, not to uh, distract us too much from that. But I have finally gotten to the last movie that we did that is not 
rated TVG, but G, Tristan, you're wrong. It was Cats Don't Dance. Whoa! Just also, rated some G. jerks. Yes, well, but it, some it jerks. was some jerks. Uh, That's a while ago. I will say I, I didn't check wrong. the uh, direct DVD sequels. Uh, I'm sure those are also probably rated G, but I didn't check those. Yeah, I'm sure because I are. couldn't remember the three that we did. Thanks okay, for checking that, Ben. If you if you exclude TVG, then we're doing our first G-rated movie on setting the scheme. Exactly. Right? Yes. And only right. took us what eighty-one episodes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but talking but hey, about we did it. Talking about trying to appeal to both audiences. We've talked about a lot of movies that do that. They always end up PG rated. This one kept it G. And uh, one thing I really appreciate about this movie is that in trying to appeal to viewers of all ages, they didn't resort to a bunch of innuendos. Instead, whatever humor is in this movie that goes over the heads of children is all centered around the individual characters, like their particular natures and their particular quirks and how they interact with each other and how like sometimes a character will slip a comment in there that <laughs> that lets you know a little bit of what's going on in their mind and it's hilarious. Mm-hmm. And they really are just slipped in there really quick for the for the grown folks in the room. And it's not because it's anything that you wouldn't want to explain to a kid, but it is something a kid's not gonna notice. Um, and, you know, when you're an adult watching this, you know a lot more about how, uh, you know, social interactions work <laughs> and you um, you pick up on little things like like when Eeyore says, I was better off with Tigger, you know, like kids, <laughs> kids probably like little kids that you expect to watch G rated movies probably didn't pick up on that, you know? Yeah, I, I still think the best line in the whole movie was Rue just like they're all arguing about who goes in the pit or he's just like, send the pig. And it's completely like, it's almost like the voice actor stopped acting and was just talking. (laughs) It was perfect. They, they sing their little celebration song every time they think Eeyore's got his tail back. And then Kanga goes, no, 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 no. Why don't we celebrate with silence? (laughs) Which is such a parent thing to say. And you know, the parents in the room just love that. They ate it up. That's what I would have said. I, I love that. I love uh, her accidentally being like, oh, that's terrible. It's like, no, Eeyore, turn around. Like the whole bit where it's just like Eeyore himself is the travesty. <laughs> just little yeah. things like that. Like you're saying, like, like there's just, there's a lot in here that's like, it's it's hard to hate. It's it's like kind of going back to like, like last week's movie, this one. I mean, this one's even more earnest, but like just that earnestness and that like sincerity in filmmaking. And I mean, it's, it's timeless. I mean, it's Winnie the Pooh. It's been around forever. Like our grandparents enjoyed it, probably. I don't actually know how old Winnie the Pooh is, but so that I might probably thought it was too flashy and modern. It is. It is in the public domain. So it's yeah. like, so A. A. Milne died. Well, in yeah, the, the original like, stories, but the animation the is from the sixties. Yeah. Okay. Well, our parent. Yeah. Our yeah. Parents still, would that's still it. sixty years ago. Yeah. Yeah. God, that was yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah. I, I just, I just want to, you know, we all said what our favorite lines are, and I was trying to get the exact lines together, but I just want to point out the fact that one of the greatest bits of dialogue happens in this movie ever. Um, uh, in that tie them together, Piglet, can you tie a knot? I cannot. Oh, so you can not. I, no, I cannot not. Oh, no, geez. not, not who's there. Who, who, who? Yeah, that, yeah. that is also my favorite me. part of the movie. <laughs> That moment is hilarious. There's a lot of moments like that. And, uh, you know, we were all messaging each other on the Zoom, you know, during the movie. Like uh, some of the other things that he says that just slay me. Like I was laughing out loud watching Mm -hmm. this and I've seen it several times. Um, Like I kind of know what's coming, you know, but Mm -hmm. uh, I still laughed out loud several times. What's the... uh, Oh, when he's he doesn't know what remuneration means. <laughs> what are we remunerating? <laughs> what are we renumbering? I find this movie highly quotable. I say a lot of the lines from this movie just in my <laughs> in my everyday life. Like Tigger saying, that's a horrendous thing to do to a guy. You know, <laughs> just, was... just little, and it's you know, it's all very innocent humor. 
at at very worst it's like one percent passive aggressive sometimes you know um yeah it's all rabbit (laughs) right the only real dire thing in this movie was actually them being in the hole. Like, I mean, if Piglet fell down, I guess Al could have flown out. Maybe the he just rabbit, flown which he out. does, which he does. Yeah, he yeah. does. Yeah, is it is what it time to get into the owl? You think who's yeah. going to climb out of that thing? Well, nope. he does at the end of it. At the, I mean, at the, at once all things, once everything oh. like said and done, he does climb out. Spoiler. Yeah, once he breaks the reality and pulls in the ancient text of the unknown um, oracle into yeah. the reality in which he finds himself, he he constructs his way out with his own words and thoughts. It's it's quite esoteric, really. When you perceive this movie from a Lovecraftian sense, it's truly cosmic <laughs> horror. Anyway, my personal uh, my personal favorite part of this movie is the moment when Cthulhu is summoned for the first time. No. Um, <laughs> And uh, rains down a hundred years of hellfire. That's the vaccine. I I truly felt Rabbit's anger when Piglet decided to cut the rope into six separate pieces. Like, I was like, Piglet, I'm really mad at you right now. Stop. But my favorite thing is right after that, uh, Owl flies out to give this, like, speech to Piglet to go... Um, get the jump rope and then he flies back down into the hole and everyone's just staring at him and you think they're gonna be like why didn't you just fly us out and then they're like and then just no it's like oh that was such a great speech and i died laughing i I thought that was a needed moment to remind you that they're all kind of stupid even rabbit (laughs) they are real real quick what was what was the character from Wayne the Pooh that uh, you identified with as a child or you identify with now? Because Winnie as a child, Pooh. I definitely identified as Pig as Piglet. And coming into this movie, I was like, I don't think I identify with Piglet anymore. I think I mean I like identify with like Kanga or with uh, or with Rabbit. No, I like in my soul, I'm like, yeah, I I, I identify with Piglet. Uh, it's definitely a Winnie the Pooh for me. Uh, to quote what I said in our chat earlier, uh, doesn't like big words, just wants food. Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I I feel like um, I'm somewhere between owl and rabbit, but I, I mostly connect with a rabbit just because I just want to be left alone and do my own things and everyone ropes me into stuff. So it's like, uh, but I guess my... Uh, my career as as a literal writer put in with Owl and his stupid pedantry throughout <laughs> this movie. Yeah, I also unfortunately identify with Rabbit and Eeyore. I feel that. What do you, Tristan? Um, I am the character who's not present in this film, Gopher. <laughs> and uh, Doug, you're muted. Um, I know exactly who you're talking about, and you're absolutely right. You are Gopher or Rabbit as well. But yeah, you listen. Definitely Gopher. <laughs> listen, you either die Winnie the Pooh or live long enough to see yourself become a Rabbit. Yeah. <laughs> rabbit, yeah. Rabbit is the Squidward of the uh, of the Winnie the Pooh universe. Interesting, voiced by SpongeBob in this movie. And it's it, it, it's almost line or like like he does a voice that feels like rabbit, but at times when rabbit's exasperated, it's like that's just SpongeBob. That's just SpongeBob with a weird accent. Yeah. Well, if there's anyone who is an antagonist in this film, I think we all know who it might be. Absolutely. Oh, it's Al. Yeah, it's interesting Al. that you kept saying who. Owl comes swooping in at the beginning of the movie, sits on a tree branch. And just starts sneezing up a storm. He brushes against the tree and talks about how he remembers hatching. And then he takes out some paper and a writing utensil and begins to write his memoir. You hear him say, chapter one, the birth of a genius. <laughs> and his, his arrogance only continues to blossom from that moment. He spawned the Baxon. It is his creation. And if anything, he is the arbiter of all the pain. Yes, in this movie, <laughs> and it's all because Owl has to keep up the perception that he's the smartest person in the Hundred Acre Wood. So when he doesn't understand what he just read, he has to pretend like he did. So he just makes up. And a when bunch he of figure, stuff. yeah, 
Yeah. And, and during their little musical number, I don't know if you guys noticed, but it's one of those moments, like I was describing earlier, where it's kind of subtle. And if you're a kid, you don't know it, but um, watching it as an adult, like you 100% know what's going on in these characters' heads. When they keep asking Owl, what does a Baxson do? And he names some things and he says, let's hear some thoughts from you. It's because he's just blowing smoke up their butts. He doesn't know what he's talking about. So and then he- that's... Yeah, those that's kind of what I was talking about with the little moments that are like as an adult, you get the peek into what's going on in these sad, sorry little critters' minds. And that's where a lot of the humor comes from. I'm just so mad that Raoul figured it out and was just like, I'm gonna go along with it. You know what? This will be fun. We'll have a good time with it. At the end of the song, he's like, Oh, back Baxon. Oh, Baxon. Oh, well, have fun on your adventure, you guys. I enjoy yourselves to don't die in watching this movie and watching uh owl just become a victim of his own hubris um <laughs> as he uh consistently preys upon those who he deems weaker than him uh <laughs> psychologically and intellectually. as owls want to do um i uh i was reminded of a of a quote from the great from the great philosopher brick tamland um, would would you mind if I uh, would you mind if I speak this truth into into the what would you say the what, what would I can't talk tonight what would you say if I did mind um I wouldn't care okay uh, <laughs> let's skip so, the pretense then <laughs> so to quote to quote the great Brick Tamlin um, and I'll be subbing in uh, Owl for any named uh, people mentioned uh, Owl. You are a good bird, but you have fallen victim to your own ego and hubris. And now you have taken steps towards righting the wrongs you may or may not have done. So say we all. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Owl is the worst. Owl is a character that honestly, Christopher Robin, if he really wanted to improve the 100 Acre Wood, he would retcon Owl out of his own existence. Owl would be no more vanished from this realm, from any realm entirely. And yeah. you know what? People would just have a lot better of a time. I think we, everyone uh, would just have a lot more fun. We, uh, we all know that Christopher Robin lies to his friends and telling them that he cares for them uh, each equally. However, we also know that Winnie the Pooh is clearly his favorite. Uh, you know, it's that old adage, all animals are equal, but some animals are more equal than others. Mm-hmm. Um, and let's, well, let's, yeah. let's, let's be real, you know, Owl, he's not as equal as Pooh. He needs to go. I mean, Pooh is the original creation. I mean, Christopher Robin has created this universe in which he is the true deity. So, like, he could certainly just retcon a few things. It'd be no I mean, big deal. Owl... I, I think Al is knowledgeable to some degree. Like he has some knowledge. I think he's he that doesn't guy share in your philosophy class with... who re- says a lot of big words to make you think that he's smart, but he's actually just blowing smoke up your butt. And I personally do not like having smoke blown up my butt. What were you saying? That's right. Sorry. That's right. We sit in that silence. I'm, I'm used to it. I'll finish what you were saying, Kristen. I don't even remember what it was now. You think Owl is somewhat knowledgeable? I think he's somewhat knowledgeable. Um, but he doesn't share any of that knowledge with anyone. And in fact, he does the opposite. It's almost like he means he means to just give incorrect information to people. Like he 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 likes it, like he derives pleasure from from like just coming up with things that aren't real. As what it a, is, is as a trickster god would would possibly yeah. do uh, i thought you were gonna say he's like those people that post fake leaks on twitter he derives pleasure from convincing everyone else he's the smartest person in the room at all times mm-hmm. so if he doesn't actually know something but he's already opened his mouth about it he's just gonna keep talking mm-hmm. i know people like that i've probably been that person before <laughs> maybe we all have uh but some people are especially prone to that kind of thing and owl is one of them bless him while, while we're on the subject of, of uh, Owl, so, something that, honestly, this has nothing to do with Owl. I just wanted to note that the amount of times that the, this reality is, is completely shattered by John Cleese is 
surprisingly high for a 53-minute movie. The characters regularly traverse their planes of existence via the words that enact their, their very essence. They're just walking across paragraphs, and it's just no big deal, and no one is, is noting this. No one's really paying it any mind that they could just enter into this liminal space between reality and, and mm-hmm. fantasy. It's no big deal. And, like, as a kid, like, I, I've got that sparingly, but this movie, like, really leans into it. Like, there's, there's a whole lot, like, major plot devices are rectified because people climb on words. Yeah. Like, what's going on here? What's, what's going on here? That's, uh, you see, that's because Winnie the Pooh also has a, uh, an alias that he uses, uh, Dead Pooh. Oh my goodness. <laughs> not to no, be confused with Deadpool, that. of course. <laughs> you Some, something's to. up with this guy. You don't something. have to humor it. That look on your face was worth it. <laughs> some, some, something is, is not right in the Pooverse. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> These creatures just exist. They just exist. Can you believe it? They just exist until Christopher Robin gets home. Like Christopher Robin leaves for the day to do whatever, be a human. Like he leaves his bedroom. The creatures decide to get up and and live. And I don't know, like what, like Pooh eats, but he's never satisfied. Like what's he doing? Like where's the honey going? He's is he really eating it? Like what? what if- Christopher Robin exists in this world. He sees the he sees the animals. He interacts with them. He could eat the honey. So there's honey. Honey exists. It's there. But and yet, Pooh doesn't take any of it in. Let's continue to analyze the world building of the honey. I am. Dude, I am dude, it out. I am reminded of the Greek myth of Sisyphus, uh, in which he is doomed to push the boulder up the hill, only for it to tumble down each time. Um, at the thought of Pooh's unquenchable thirst for honey. See, the That's thing the is, they're all, they're all extrapolations of the concept of the seven deadly sins is what they are. Yeah, I've heard SpongeBob. that. Uh, fun, <laughs> SpongeBob. Yeah, um, w- which is uh, possibly related because of the presence of, what's his name, Tom Kenny? Tom Kenny, same universe. <laughs> there are... Uh, there are interesting theories where people have tried to delve into the psychology of Christopher Robin based on these these characters he created. Do you want to know why, listeners? Do you want to know why we don't do G-rated movies as this much? Is as like, this is why. Like, because we'll ruin it. Is because we're so cynical that we eventually just devolve into this kind of BS. I don't think cynical is the right word. Uh, I'll, I'll I'll defer to Elijah on that. But I, I don't think cynical is the word you're going for. Though. I mean, when you get down I think to pedantic. It, we're, yeah. probably, we're probably just some jerks who talk about movies. Honestly. Yeah. Dang. And you know what? <laughs> yeah. it, it's weird the dichotomy that there that exists between these like deep like psychoanalyses of Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> and then there's also just a random children's cookbook titled cooking with poo <laughs> right you know at some point we have to answer the question of at, of where does the jerk who wants to talk about movies and the one who wants to set the skein where is that divide true it's right here in each of it's, ourselves it's in here. each of our persons this this is precisely like the guy on youtube who is currently in the midst of uh, breaking down every single episode of the, the Nickelodeon show Victorious, and he just put out eight hours worth. The video is eight hours long, and it covers two seasons. That's this. That's where we're, this, that's where this is going. Sending the Skeen episode 250, oh, eight-hour review oh, of a God. Pixar short I, is what's happening. Okay. I mean, I could talk I mean. for that long about uh, Bao. Hear me out. Hear me out. Episode 200. Let's do like an eight hour long episode. Let's just all clear our schedules. Let's clear our collective schedules for eight hours and let's just go. Not episode 100. Uh, Okay, fine. I'll see you in 19 episodes. Uh, That's about right. You know, know, something that was really good about this movie was the music. I I haven't the foggiest idea of of a lot of the songs. You know what's funny about the music in this movie? I don't mean this as an insult. When it's playing, it's the catchiest thing ever. 
I'm vibing with it. I'm getting down. I couldn't sing you a single melody, and I just watched it. No, forget the songs. <laughs> so, so okay, I think, bye. I think that something's that's really interesting. I do think that we should talk about the music here because I think that something that's really interesting is the fact that this is not music that was made by the Sherman Brothers, who I believe at this point have passed away. Um, the Sherman Brothers, if you don't know, were a pair of uh, in-house songwriters that Disney had for several, several years. And they actually did the original music for the original Wayne the Pooh shorts and movie. Um, so I think it's really interesting that these songwriters that they have this time around are clearly trying to uh, imitate that style and that functionality. But I think Mike just hit the nail on the head in that they, they succeed in giving us really good melodies, but they aren't as memorable as the Sherman Brothers song. They, they don't transcend the movie is one of the, one of the things. It's not a problem. It's yeah. great. Like, like they never slow down the movie. But the Sherwin brothers, like, there's something to be said about the things that they did to where you don't forget those melodies. They, they are driven into the public consciousness in such a way that, that is impossible to get them out. And that's just, that's a lot of talent. This movie didn't have them, which is fine. They were most likely dead. Being realistic, so they couldn't get them in the first place. So I think, <laughs> not trying to get, get on to the guys with the, with the music, but for what they do, there's got to be like four or five songs in this movie, maybe three. But um, for what they do, like it, it fits within the scope of the movie. It never feels like disjointed. Normally, there's one song that you're like, "All right, let's wrap it up." Let's it, okay. This is you know you know uh, Fixer Upper and Frozen, perfect example. It's I was just, just there. Say that. I was it just exists. Shiny and Moana. Yeah. Oh, wait a second. I like that one. <laughs> no, I'm That's one of my favorites on one. One. ones for Moana. Tristan, beauty... you're not allowed to like that one. Okay. The, no, no, no. I'll, I'm with Tristan. The beauty of Shiny and Moana is that it doesn't fit in the movie. That's why it's awesome, because <laughs> it shouldn't be there. And all of a sudden, we're singing Shiny out of nowhere. It's just great. Well, I think Zoe Deschanel's voice is a really good fit for Winnie the Pooh. So that was a choice that I approve of but I don't actually like the songs. I don't want to hear them. <laughs> but when I'm watching the movie, I, I, still, I still get a kick out of it because there's at least one funny moment in each song. Like when Pooh's singing the song about honey and there's those little like doppelgangers of him made of honey that surround him. He goes, he's like, he looks like he's made of honey. So I guess he'll eat them too or whatever. <laughs> and he just, oh, like, yeah. he just takes, chomps off. He takes a chomp out of, Pooh, honey, he poo commits yeah. suicide. <laughs> yeah, yeah, heck. I'm surprised the MPAA wasn't like parental guidance, too exactly. violent, cannibalistic <laughs> violence. The MPAA came in and brought their parents with them, and they said, "Do you think that you need to guide me in this moment? <laughs> Would you suggest <laughs> that my parents guide me through this?" They said, "My uh. little honey could hardly bear this." I don't think you need any guidance through this movie. The only guidance really is maybe to like get through Owl's shenanigans and then move on. <laughs> I personally believe that when I, that, uh, when I have kids eventually uh, and if they choose to watch this movie, I believe I will be guiding them throughout the entirety of the film. You know, really I, breaking down the Sisyphean argu argument that is present uh, in Pooh's insatiable hunger but um before we wrap it up i wanted to mention i've got the cooking with poo cookbook here pulled up and uh let me tell you not one recipe is written by owl and i think we all know why because he's a bastard <laughs> <laughs> and he wouldn't he wouldn't even ever contribute isn't there a recipe for like chocolate chip cookies in there dude there's like three recipes for chocolate chip cookies hmm. they're they're not very creative that's cooking what, like not a food. single recipe from that freeloader no, cooking with not, poo cookbook we know that you listen to the podcast on the daily um <laughs> that's right it's the first book that listens to the podcast nation um, state now books yeah look we have we have every character even rue contributes kanga and rue both contribute 
who contributes one, two, three, four, four of his own recipes to this cookbook. Okay. Christopher Robin contributes one. Piglet, Rabbit, Tigger contributes one. You think Tigger really made that? No, that's probably Al. Al probably wrote that. <laughs> no. And Tigger he, and gave it he, to Tigger. He couldn't have written it because he would not be humble enough to be somebody's ghostwriter. He has to take true. the credit. But do we really think Tigger sat down long enough to finish writing something? No, there is no, no way. Somebody Tigger's bouncing was, rainbow animals. Somebody was the ghostwriter, but it couldn't have been Owl. Guys, I'll show you the picture of, of Tigger here later in this book. There is no way. There's no way this picture of this man wrote this recipe. <laughs> so going back to the music for a second, uh, just because I was curious. <laughs> Sorry, I was uh, reading about the Sherman brothers. Uh, they were actually not dead uh, at this point. One of them is actually still alive. Uh, hey. but the last major picture they worked on was in 2000. They uh, both work, both wrote music for the Tigger movie. Nice. I remember wow. that movie. The Tigger movie is really good uh, in in a like extremely goofy movie sort of way. Mm-hmm. Like very wholesome and also will make you cry. Piglet's big movie adventure is also like that. Um, and it's also the first video game that I ever finished. Nice. What about the Heffalump movie? What about it? Oh, was yeah. Was that any That's good? That's a good one. Oh, I, I like that. I mean, there's no bad poo content. You can't you can't make bad poo is the rule. So. Yeah, that's true. Well, I think uh, this is a, once again, this is why we don't do G-rated movies. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, the Sherman Brothers have a couple other credits. They actually do have uh, some credits on the Winnie the Pooh movie uh, for the theme song and the wonderful wonderful thing about tickers. Um, they also have uh, credits from Saving Mr. Banks, uh, The Jungle Book, Christopher Robin, and Mary Poppins Returns. I would certainly but, hope that they have credit for saving Mr. Banks, their characters in the movie. Yeah. Um, but they wrote some of the songs from Mary Poppins, which were featured in the film, which also uh, for Mary Poppins Returns. You know, I'm wondering why so Paul Winchell originally voiced Tigger. He died in 2004. Why wasn't he in the Tigger movie? He was still around. Because I think at that point, Jim Cummings had started taking over the role. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah, Jim Cummings is who I know as both Winnie the Pooh and Tigger. Same. Yeah. Jim Cummings is also my birthday twin. Fun fact. Hmm. Oprah Winfrey for me. Michael Jackson for me. (laughs) I don't have an answer. I don't go on Wikipedia. (laughs) I'll do you one better. I wasn't born. Remember when I was hatched? Hooey. Uh, the day I was born out hatched a genius. <laughs> this has got to be like by percentage one of the least on topic reviews we have ever oh, done about Winnie the Pooh there, the entire time. There is no, we have talked about, we have been on oh, no, 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 the no. entire time. Some, some jerks, fear.com. That's fear.com. Yeah. We do not talk about that movie. We didn't talk about that movie. We did not. <laughs> We don't talk about movies. movies. Okay, anyway, I think it's time we score this sucker. Good yeah. idea. Sure. Doug, why don't you get us started? I'm going to give this movie an 80. I liked it. That's it. Okay. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm, I'm going to hop in there because I'm also giving this movie an 80. That just feels okay. right. I, I liked it, and that is just about it. Like, there's, there's no more to be said. I guess I'll follow up because I'm also giving this an 80. <laughs> No way. <laughs> Come on. Please. Uh, hey, I, I'm giving it a 90 just because okay. I got to give it an A. It's just a dang good movie. I don't have no problem with it. I, I also, considered it, but. Uh, yeah. uh, also, I never shared my experience with the movie. Okay. Like the whole reason I've watched it so many times and that I wanted to do it for the podcast because I grew up with Winnie the Pooh. And when this movie came out, I was in like 11th grade, I guess. And, you know, I there's you, you still like when when they release like a big product related to something you grew up with, you pay attention to it. So I watched this movie just to watch it. And I did not expect to love it. But uh, 
the minute Pooh Bear's gut started like singing and he was singing along with it, that's when I knew like, oh, this is going to be hilarious. And I laughed till like, you know, the scene when he's reaching up to grab the honey pot and his side splits open and his stuffing comes out. Yeah. That's how hard I laughed. That same thing happened to me. I thought this movie was so funny. I I went into it just expecting, like I was just going to watch it just because I grew up with Winnie the Pooh and I'll watch this and just see what they did to it in, you know, recent times. And I ended up like that was side splittingly funny. And so I've seen it several times since then. So I got to give it an A. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Tristan, uh, before you go, sorry, I want to say this real quick. It's interesting that you bring up um, like rewatching or like watching movies that are based off of stuff that you grew up with, because that is 100% the reason that I want to see the Blues Clues movie that has uh, all Amen. three of them coming Amen, back. I'm like super hype about that. Anyway, oh Tristan, my gosh. What, are you, what, what are you scoring this movie? I didn't know that was a thing. Oh, yeah. Um, well, I, I, you know, I saw this movie a few years after it came out because I was also in high school and like, oh, I don't know. Winnie the Pooh? What? That's for babies. I don't know. I had that kind of mindset about it. You know what I mean? And then I just grew up and I watched it. Um, and yeah, I also thought it was very funny. And it's just like Elijah said, it's just a dang good movie. Like there's, I can't find a thing wrong with this film really. You know, like, I, like I'm not, like, I, I don't think it's like, it's not one of my favorite films ever, you know? But like I could put this movie on and I'm not going to be disappointed. I'm not going to be dissatisfied either. It's just a fine film. So I'm giving it an eye too. All right. I did not think anyone would give it a higher score than I did. Wow. All right. Well, after plugging that into our patented scoreometer, uh, we get a final score of an 84.4. Um, so I think this movie's pretty good. I love yeah. it. I mean, yeah. it, it accomplishes things <clears throat> that good movies should accomplish, but it's only an hour long. Yeah. Speaking of, the good, of things good movies should accomplish. Well, anyway. What? He's saying the fact that it's an hour long. Yeah, that's he's saying that good movies should, should strive short. for. Oh. Uh, okay. Okay. Anyway. Uh, this has yeah. been our review of Winnie the Pooh. Uh, next week, we continue our Mystery March, Mystery Movie Month, Mystery of Mystery. Um, we're down. We're down to the final two, boys. Yep. We've got two left. Uh, next week, we'll be watching either Tristan's selection or Doug's. Um, I'm very excited for Doug's because uh, Doug is horrible at keeping a secret, so I know what we're That's watching correct. for that one. Uh, Tristan and I have no idea what we're watching for his week, but I'm sure it will also be a time to be had. Um, but until next week, be sure to keep up with all the cool stuff we do on social media at Viter Media. Uh, we've got new episodes of Setting the Skeen every Wednesday. And until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Doug. I'm Tristan. I'm Elijah. And I'm Michael. And this has been Setting the Skeen. You guys have a great week. Uh-huh.